0: Hi and welcome to the UX Research Rundown podcast. My name is Henrik Matson. I am the CEO of Lookback and I am your host for this uh, podcast series that we're making. And in this series, I'm going to get to talk to a lot of very uh, cool researchers who've had very illustrious careers across a a bunch of different companies, small and large. Uh, And we will be talking about My favorite, uh, well I shouldn't call it my favorite problem, but the problem that I think is the most important and yet to be solved problem facing our industry and community, namely, how do you get uh, the non researcher part of your teams to engage with the research that you're doing so that they can actually go and build better experiences? And with me today, I have Victoria Sosik, who has had a career uh, mostly, I think, at Google, six years almost, uh, but uh, she's currently the director of UX research at Verizon. So thanks for being here. Uh, Looking forward to talking to you.
1: Hello. Happy to be here.
0: Awesome. So we're going to be talking about team engagement or whatever you want to call it, but uh, I'd like to start with... Uh, kind of getting a bit of uh yours your origin story coming into research mm-hmm. and the reason i always ask this question is because i think a lot of uh our field is very young we're also obviously still young but everything is relative so there's a lot of people coming into research recently which is a good thing the, the field has grown uh but i know that a common question is uh, among people coming in is you know do i belong here do i have the right background will i succeed uh, and when I talk to people who've been here a while, uh, they come from all sorts of places and backgrounds and stuff like that. So I love to hear those stories and kind of uh, get that. So could you please start with your origin story, please?
1: Yeah, of course. I think I'm actually going to give a, a preface to it and say that looking back, the, the origin story that I tell has a very seemingly clear narrative. Um, but I think the one thing I want to just mention is that while I was living it, it did not seem clear at all. So um, you know, it, it it started out with me really, it was a checkbox on my undergrad application. I happened to check this one box of a program at this one school that looked kind of interesting. It wasn't what I was thinking I would study anywhere else, but it sounded cool there. I checked that box. I ended up going to that school, and that really kind of set me on the path to study um, what started out as computer and cognitive science. Then I added in psychology. Then I added in fine arts, which led me to a grad degree in human-computer interaction, and then interning at a couple of companies, including Google, and then going full-time as a UX researcher there, and then, you know, and, and the story continues from there, but I think the thing is that at each stage, I really didn't know why I was where I was, or how to kind of make sense of it, nothing felt quite right for a while, um, and that's what kind of led me to keep exploring, like, what was tangential to where I was, what are areas I could kind of flex into, and adjacencies that I could kind of pull into my um you know education to then kind of come to something that felt right and i think that's where i finally got when i was um in grad school studying hci and then i kind of found that final block you know missing a puzzle piece when i was um doing my industry internships and realized that that's where i wanted to be um so again i feel like i have a relatively straightforward path given that i studied hci which um you know t- tends to lead you know relatively smoothly but um yeah at the time nothing it didn't quite make sense <laughs> i didn't realize where the narrative was going to go so.
0: Right. So, was there a moment where you realized, like, oh, I actually have the, the background for this, or like this makes this is who I am, or do you remember when that switched?
1: Well, I think the, the there's probably several moments of that, you know, throughout. But I think the first one was when I was talking to my undergrad advisor and just even learned that HCI was a thing because right, I was in this computer science program, a relatively um, traditional computer science program, and knew that that was not the right thing. Um, but I didn't want to completely give up that technical side that I did, you know, like to some extent. Um, and he helped to kind of show me, you know, real, fields that were similar, but maybe a little bit more um, multidisciplinary that I could pull into my other interests. So that was probably the first, you know, sticking point. And then um, another was definitely, I think, when I did my internships. And kind of felt what it was like to be putting a lot of those ideas into practice um and actually driving some impact um with them right. so that's where I was like I think no I don't want to go the academic route this is this is what I want to do um and I you know that's what I did
0: cool awesome so what would be like your it sounds to me like what you did was you kind of you tried out a bunch of things internships and and kind of felt what felt right and went with that mm-hmm. even if you didn't really um understand it at the time uh is that is that right And like with how looking back at that what would you have told like the 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 very newbie version of yourself as you were going through this because you must have had doubts too you know like well, mm-hmm. where am I going and could you share some insight into that please
1: yeah I think it really is like there is a path for you right because I felt very out of place early on in computer science um, even though again I could do the work and you know I liked coding. Um I felt yeah, just I definitely felt like it was not the right place for me. And I think just keep pushing, keep asking questions, keep exploring, and don't feel like you need to completely give up on on something. If you like it, you can just kind of push the boundaries and see what may exist, you know, slightly outside of it um that may feel like a better fit.
0: Right. Oh, cool. Awesome. Um okay, so uh, moving on to the the kind of main uh, theme of the podcast yeah. so i have this observation that i made and i'd like to kind of get your view on that because we all sit in our own perspectives you know i, mm-hmm. I have this um uh, i have this one of the privileges of my job is that i get to do research on researchers i talk to researchers all day so i'm probably one of the people in the world that have talk, talk to the most researchers <laughs> you know so so that's super interesting but it's hard to know kind of what uh people have very different experiences so here's what i observe um research has, our field has, um, has really evolved in a very positive direction over the last, I would say, five or six or seven years or something like that. So people have a seat at the table, like research is a thing. Now, it's not just something like, oh, we need to research, you know, it's like, uh, but it's equally, it's unequally distributed. And the same thing goes for this problem that we're discussing today, is my observation. So you have some companies where you know there's great team engagement it's obvious to like developers and and uh, designers etc to show up in research sessions and partake in that and be very engaged and at the same time you have a lot of you know teams of one or whatever where where perhaps they've never had the feeling that someone really cares about what they're doing that's also kind of a narrative um, mm-hmm. that i hear so what has your experience been, and I know you've been at you've been at large companies, but we talked earlier about Google being like really a bunch of very small companies kind of disconnected mm-hmm. so what what has your experience been and and have you seen some changes in this and and kind of where do you think where do you think this is going and uh, et cetera
1: yeah, um definitely seen a lot, a lot of change in that. I think the the other nuance I' live in just add to what you just mentioned is within companies you see mm. that same spectrum mm. in, in many times, especially the, the larger companies, right, that, that I've, I've mostly spent my career at. And I, I know, while well, I spent my entire um, time in one area at Google. I know from, you know, research colleagues had very different experiences. And right now I'm in the position where I oversee a central research team that works with a lot of different business units, a lot of different teams within Verizon. And I see the same, you know, differences between um, some of the experiences that my team members are having just based on um again like how mature the practices in different mm. teams um how used to you know working with ux research that uh you know different team members are um and it's, it's kind of cool to be able to track the trajectories right um as they're happening even within the same company and just kind of seeing the progress that we're you know we're able to make there um i said that a lot of what my goals have been, I think a lot of what my role is, is helping to facilitate that for my team members and helping to um educate feels so like I'm sitting on top of the you know the, the 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 tower educating you, but but to help to, you know, show the value and mm. help to, you know, really advocate for how research can help everyone achieve uh, you know, their goals.
0: Right. Uh, that, that's a super interesting perspective that I kind of missed in my thinking about it, that, of course, there isn't like one research culture per company. There are many research yeah. cultures even within companies. So that's a super interesting point. And the old social scientist in me uh, immediately mm-hmm. thinks that this is a great exper- exper- experiment environment, right? Because you can kind of like test different things. So what would you say <laughs> distinguishes the two? Let's say you have like a, a group where this works really well. Um, in the same company, because then we can hold that setting like the the the, the experiment is clear, right? So, <laughs> what what difference within the same um, company, uh, a group where this works and a group where this doesn't work?
1: I think there there can be so many different answers to that, right? I think um, on one hand, it can be leadership attitudes to research and how accustomed. The you know most senior leaders are to working with and how open and kind of how much they bought into the idea of mm-hmm. research being a core partner and a, a really important part of of the overall you know team. I think the the researchers themselves, right and how much they see it upon themselves to really be that partner and see it as their role to in some ways insert themselves and continue to kind of mm-hmm. push for for more and more. Um, collaboration across different phases of projects. Um, I think that there's resource allocations, right? So resources look different as far as how um, both in how many researchers, how much um, budget you have, things like that, that obviously in, impact how much work you can do. And to some extent, the the, you know, the the more resources and the more ability you have to do your best work, the more likely you are to be able to show the value of the research. So those are a couple different things that I think can, you know, can, uh Impact how mm. well positioned a researcher
0: is, right? And and how much of this is you can you can uh, <laughs> ignore my questions and just like keep talking about your your experiences if this doesn't make sense. But how much of this is kind of organic? Like one thing we see in our data, for example, is that if people sit in on sessions live, they get kind of hooked. You know, they see their first like moderated usability test, and they see The participants struggling with the thing that they built and they're like, oh, wow, that's because they care. Like everyone cares about uh, everyone building product cares about the user experience. They might not care about like reading every user research report, but they care about the experience. Right. Uh, And and you also see the moderator. I mean, this is something I, I observe very often that the value people who have sat in and observed researchers doing their thing uh are kind of value research more because they're like, oh wow, this is like hard. This is an art almost. This is a this is a skill. Uh that's kind of organic. And then you also hear these stories that you kind of alluded to a little bit, like, and I'm sure in your research leadership role you've probably come across it where you kind of have to you know convince or educate or sell even perhaps or like stakeholder management. Yeah. Um, how much is do these go hand in hand? Uh how, how much is uh, you know, how do these relate to each other, um, in your experience?
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, I, I think it's 100% true. When people see and feel the, you know, the, the customer, the user, it definitely hits in a different way. Um, I think that that can be a really powerful way to, to expose some people to research who haven't before. I think though that only goes part of the way because I think very few people um, even those who are not super bought into research and who haven't been exposed don't want to, you know, understand the user, the customer, don't want to help them, right? They, that mm. is still something that I think is, is true for a good chunk of people we work with. I think where I often find a lot of value is by taking the lens of what's standing in their way. Why are they mm. not? And oftentimes it's things like what are they incentivized by, right? What are their metrics they're trying to hit? Um, what time pressures are they under? things that could be actively you know working against the inclusion of more people, more you know activities in the timeline, things like that. And if it's not clear to them how these activities are going to actually influence their bottom line, what they're measured by, then it's it's a hard sell, even if they as as people right, believe mm-hmm. in the the value of talking to people and and uh, you know understanding them so, I think it's really important to understand what your stakeholders are incentivized by, what they're being measured, what they care about. Um, mm. Because I think oftentimes those are the things that are standing in the way from us becoming, you know, even a closer collaborator, a stronger partner to different stakeholders.
0: Right, right. So, in your role as director of UX research, how much of this? kind of whatever you want to call that thing, the stakeholder understanding, navigating this landscape, trying to have impact. Um, h- how much of your job is focused on that? If, you know, if that is even in your job description. So m- most of it, most <laughs> I of say, it.
1: right. It's, it's understanding that, understanding where we need the research, helping to resource it and figure out how to balance our, you know, the resources we have. Um, and it, at a level that aligns to Verizon's highest priorities. Um, yeah.
0: Yeah. So, but, but so how much is um, one thing I've been thinking about with this, and I think the reason why it works so well when I see this working, you know, when, you have, when there's a lot of engagement and collaboration around not just user experience, because you can access that in different ways, but like really the, 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 the research. Uh, and and kind of sitting in on sessions or whatever forms it takes, like showing up at research research shareouts, contributing mm-hmm. questions or whatever, right? Um, how much of that is you know when that works? It's I my experience is that everyone gets very empowered by that. Like it's obviously fun for researchers because your job matters and all of those hours mm-hmm. you put into making having the interviews and whatever that that counts, uh, and you see the result. I think that's motivating for everyone. But it also, uh, really does something super positive with, uh, engineers and people developing, developing the product and the product managers and everything, because they get to see this very close connection because otherwise they can just sit somewhere in like a lab and like build product and ship it. And someone gets angry on Twitter, but they don't really know what's going on <laughs> behind it. So like, how much is that a shared responsibility? And, and I mean, the obvious answer is like, yes, it's shared, but I mean, like in, in practice, how much of that do you have to carry? in your research leadership role and like what's your thought about all of that
1: yeah i i think it's certainly true that there's a level of like detachment that you can have if you're not seeing it with your own eyes right it's easier Mm. perhaps to ignore or to kind of say like that's not the most important thing um and it's, it's harder to do that when you're you know observing people when you're talking to them um I, 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 it's interesting though, because I think that that's, in my mind, that's actually a few steps down the line. Like that in of itself isn't really what's going to cross some of the biggest hurdles to getting mm-hmm. the, the the strongest research partnerships and the strongest um, you know, embedded relationships and the buy-in, because I think that can be a catalyst, that can be a spark. But mm-hmm. even after people do that, I think if you don't address those bigger issues, that can mm-hmm. fade or they do it once, but that's not enough for sustained engagement, right? Um, and- It's just a
0: beautiful memory of something we did I, once and yeah.
1: Exactly, and I, I think if you, the observation of sessions and the talking to users is kind of both a a tool to drive engagement, but also a um, an outcome in a way. If you get to the point mm-hmm. where they're doing that regularly, that's I think when, You know, it's a strong signal that people are finding it valuable to spend their own time, which is, you know, oftentimes our most constrained resource is our time um, to to actually engage in in sessions in that way. So it's again, I I think it comes down to best understanding what the barriers are. And if it's truly not believing that um, that this type of data that doing this kind of work is important, then I think that goes a huge, long way if there's other organizational structural constraints, I don't think that's necessarily enough to push it over the hurdle.
0: Mm, yeah, I, it's I love this, yeah. No, but I love this because for me, as as we said, I think before we, we pressed record here, we were talking a little bit about how my approach over the years to this has been to solve it from a tooling perspective, right? But that's just one, one perspective, so I realized that I come in with this like confirmation bias that it's like if we just get everyone into the session it 's going to be fine you know, but I think you, you raised a very valid point and and i mean that 's why I want to talk to a bunch of researchers in the uh, that, that have worked with this across all levels and other leaders too in you know in the company uh, because i I realize that it's you know it's other it's other things too but what what really interests interests me is like when you 're coming in. As someone who is perhaps uh building out a research practice, we have a lot of team of ones that are doing this and they're mm-hmm. and they're trying to kind of get their organization from a place where they're just doing everything and perhaps they just have one stakeholder that they're like reporting to or everything and they're trying to build this up um, like what are is there a recipe for this like what have you what has been your experience and like what do you address first because like obviously like this is a necessary but not uh, uh sufficient condition or whatever it's called right and and then like we, yeah. is there is there like a method to this madness to kind of start building it out or what's your view on yeah
1: that? i mean it's an interesting question i think and i'm not sure much sure of if this if this 100 answers your question but it's what comes to mind um i think as researchers, we, especially when you when you mentioned the team of one, as researchers, we mm. try to do everything. We don't like to say no, and we like to help, we, you know, we, we want to help as many people as possible, it's in our nature, um, and I think oftentimes, though, that doesn't set us up to do our best work, to do our deepest work, to do our most impactful work, and I think the way that you're really showing the value is by doing those deeper, really impactful projects that by, out of necessity, require you to focus. So mm. I think it, it's not a recipe, but I'd say a really important um, a, a approach can be to not try to do it all, but to identify, you know, what is a project that has all of the signals or all the makings of a really impactful one? Um, mm. It's one that leadership cares about. It's one that has um, unknowns that research is well poised to solve. Maybe it mm. has opportunity for strategic um development it's not already well defined for one reason or another so kind of finding something that that fits that and really partnering closely on on that to to show instead of trying to tell the value of research because we could always there's so many potential things we could do that i think being able to identify what's going to what has the making to the impact is a really important skill um especially as you become a more senior researcher and then being able to use that to kind of create your own case studies, right? And then as you start kind of getting a couple of those case studies under your belt, that's where I've seen the, the ability to scale really take off because then stakeholders start talking. Then you have examples that you can point to when you, you need to make cases for resources, right? If you're trying to either grow a team or get more money, right? It's, it's hard to do that without having a couple of really, really solid, impactful cases. And when I say impact, I'm also talking about tying to business metrics, um, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, I think sometimes in U.S., and we're getting better, but sometimes we still are a bit too afraid of making claims around how our work has really directly driven metrics that our, our company mm-hmm. at large cares about. And if we can do that, that's, I think, when we show the value. And then when we can start leveraging that to try to continue to grow and to try to you know meet with new people new stakeholders and just as a function you become larger and more impactful and more um uh, you know more sizable at a a company
0: oh so many questions come out of that thank you so (laughs) i'll start with I mean, I, I, I think all of that makes a lot of sense, you know, as, as someone who's kind of working with people to, you know, uh, try to pick the right people for the right job and everything. Like I hear you talk about this and I'm like, yes, of course she has this career because of course you've been successful, right? So, so great. But, uh, for someone starting out or, or, or I have. First of all, this sounds like a very long process, uh, like how yes. <laughs> how long should one expect to kind of spend on trying to go from the starting point of this to uh to where like the situation that you're describing now, where you've gathered all of these case studies and you're able to use them and everything um, like what's what's kind of a is this a seven year thing or a two year <laughs> thing or or is it a six month thing or what is it?
1: I mean, I think I think you're. You definitely hit the nail on the head by saying it's a very long process. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. I mean, I will say I think it's very hard to be a team of one as a junior researcher. I think it's because you just you don't have, you know, some of the, the support to help guide you through all those those processes that you know I just kind of spoke briefly to. Um, I, so it's actually one of the reasons that I think for researchers it's important to have a sense of what aspect of the role do we enjoy most and what kind of role do we want to be in? Do we want to be in a role where we are having to forge that way and build that? Do we want to be in a more established researcher role where we can do the research, you know, work closely with team members, drive impact, but don't have to continually be pushing and fighting. And because coming back to the very beginning of our conversation, there's research roles on that spectrum. Mm. And I think being just being very aware of what taking a different a role on a different side of that spectrum could mean for your day to day. Because if you're, I mean, it, it, all all the more power to to anyone who's in this position. But if you're a junior researcher trying to really forge that on your own, yeah, I think it's I think it's a long process because it's it's hard, right? Mm. It, I mean, I I've been able to make some of these. Um, some of this progress in my role of Verizon the past three years, but I came in already having many, many years of research experience and mm. learning from those more senior than me. And I think that's, that's how I was able to level up the way that I did is I observed those around me. I took in the way they were managing and negotiating and, and really tried to model my work after their, theirs in many way. And I think that's really hard to do. Um, I, I don't think I'd be able to come in and do what I'm doing now in my current role had I not had that experience. Yeah. So.
0: Oh, t- Totally. So and that's great, because that's a perfect uh, segue to my other question I had. So who are these allies that kind of that, that you, uh, because what I see here is, is something that has been uh, an interesting, uh, I've heard in other conversations that I've had about this, too. It's like, part of this is you are applying your research skills, I would argue, to the internal organization. They're kind of researching your organization and you're navigating mm-hmm. that just like you would understand the user experience. You're kind of like, how are my stakeholders experiencing research and how, you know, what do I need to do? So so that's something that everyone can apply as their research skills grow. Yeah. Uh, but part of it also is this kind of when did you realize this? Right. Like, do, do you have any memories of that where you kind of started figuring some of this out? And and who were your allies in that? If you and I don't mean like you can mention names if you want, but I mean like more like the function was this like senior yeah. researcher? Was this other people or?
1: Yeah, I mean, I very um, <laughs> I really clearly remember one moment where I just started full time at Google. So I, I interned there for three months, but the intern experience, you know, is is different in in many ways from from joining full time. And I joined full time in a remote location, so I was not seated near any other researchers in my team. And I was just like, what the heck am I doing? Like, what, how do I get anything done? Like what, I, I don't like, I'm like, I know how to do research. I just finished a PhD. I know how to do research, but mm. how do I actually get anything done here? Um, And I think that's when I was like, just really owning the fact that I did not at all know how to get anything done here. So I'm going to have to learn that aspect of the role. Like that is a gap from my training. Mm. And Um, I, you know, in that role, I was fortunate to have a, you know, a solid team of UX researchers and many more senior than me, including my manager. And a lot of it was just trying to, yeah, like I would try to partner on projects with my manager. I would try to observe them and watch them in meetings, kind of observe what kinds of emails are they sending, how are they driving conversations, how are they executing, uh, how are they going from, here's a research project that that we can maybe contribute to, to actually shaping that project, asking the right questions, how are they communicating those findings? Like all those things were things that I just watched my primarily manager, mm. but you know, a few other senior researchers as well. Um, and, and I had product allies along the way, for sure. I don't want to, you know, uh, sell them short, but primarily it was really by just seeing someone that was successful, doing things the way I wanted to be able to do them and observing that person. <laughs>
0: researching perfect yeah. So okay great <laughs> so um uh, we reached that part of the conversation in this short podcast format where i'm gonna have to round off unfortunately Every, my feeling in all of these and i and i recommend everyone to listen to all the other ones we've done is that there's so much to talk about here and it's been such <laughs> a pleasure to have you but i i'd like to finish on one kind of um question about handling Handling this journey and kind of like, because when we look back, when I talk to people who've, who've had success and worked through this and learned these things and like apply them and have, have a track record, you know, everything is easier once you reach that point. I mean, it's still hard, <laughs> but, but like you have the track record, you, yeah. you, you know, you kind of, you recognize the situations and you're not lost in it. Right. But the road to getting there, and I'm sure you will agree is full of like moments where, uh, like, I'm just going to give up. And when I talk to people, I feel they're like your story seems it sounds very hopeful. It's like, you know, and I try this and then it didn't work. And, I, you know, and I think that's important to maintain that. But I also hear a lot of hopelessness out there where it's like no one's ever going to care about my work or like I try, but no one is interested, et cetera, et cetera. So um, is that something that you recognize? Is that something as a research leader that you work with, with your uh, junior uh, researchers? Uh, and what would be some advice you know to to people in the audience who might be feeling these kind of feelings that you know this is never going to yeah. work because as you said it's a long process etc yeah. and it's and it's difficult like w- what are some uh some words of guidance
1: <laughs> yeah i mean i think you know it's it, it's funny it's always funny to hear you you know characterize my my journey in your words because of course yeah. it didn't didn't always feel straight you know upward like that right the things yeah. that that didn't explicitly call out before were the moments of, yeah, feeling like, what's the point? Why are we doing Mm -hmm. this? This person over here is never going to see the value. So why even try? Right? Like I think I've certainly had several of those moments. And I think the way that you approach them, you kind of have to look in a little bit and say, where am I right now? Am I in a position Mm -hmm. where I'm feeling confident enough that I can take on those challenges or do I need to be like no I'm actually kind of feeling a bit burned out myself and I just need to maybe take the foot off the gas for a little bit and be okay with that Mm. just kind of let things go you know let some of those you know moments that can feel like failure moments just happen and kind of recharge myself so I can get back to the point where I'm feeling like I can take it on again um so Mm. I think oftentimes it really is just acknowledging like where am I and how well positioned am I feeling just like Personally, emotionally, whatever it may be, to take on those challenges right now. And if the answer is I'm not, that's okay, and you can mm-hmm. chill for a little bit, and things will still be fine.
0: Lovely. What a what a perfect way to to round this up. Uh, thank you so much for being with us. Um, if you have any, um, do, do you have any presence on social media? If people are you open to people reaching out if they have questions, etc.
1: Yeah, happy to, uh, feel free to find me on LinkedIn and and send me a message. I don't always respond instantly, but I, I try to, you know, get back within a few days.
0: Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you very much, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, and uh, I hope you enjoyed this conversation and learned as much as I did. So uh, if you want more of this, uh, you can sign up for our newsletter where we uh, publish new releases, etc. The research UX Research Rundown. Uh, and tune in for more uh, podcasts like this one. Thank you very much and uh, happy researching. Bye.